everyone, and welcome to the Book Lounge. Today we are talking about Moonwalking with Einstein by Joshua Four. Your hosts are myself, Corinne Ritchie, and me, Tom Butler-Bowden. Um, and the general aim with the Book Insights and Book Lounge is to cover the books that can advance your work or your life in some way or just make you think. And as curator, I'll give my take on the book, why I like it, why I think it's still relevant and uh, what the highlights are for me. Yeah, and I will weigh in on the book, update you on the latest news about the author and the title. And um, as always, the Book Insights episodes, that's where you'll want to go for the really in-depth exploration of the book. But here in the Book Lounge, it's just more of like an informal chat about the book of the week. And we have guests joining us. Um, So today we have a guest here in the Book Lounge. Uh, So we'll do a little interview and then we'll be talking about Moonwalking with Einstein. Um, So today's guest, he has been reading, reviewing, and talking about books for years, including today. Today's. He's a medium writer, a book blogger, booktuber, habit coach, influencer. Thank you so much for joining us, Marlo Yonacruz. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah. So, Marlo, how did you get into what you're doing now and, you know, your interest in nonfiction books uh, specifically? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thanks for the question. Um, I think about like seven or eight years ago. Um, I met some entrepreneurs and some pretty successful people, and they kind of put me on this self-development, personal development journey. And their key takeaway was that a big reason for their success was that they made it a priority to invest in their self-education, right? And to, to them, it's like a long-term investment in your own success and well-being, is that the sooner and the more consistent you do self-education and, and develop yourself, the more you'll reap the benefits. So I saw that as like a long-term investment. So since then, I've been reading, you know, two, three books a month for the past six years and then started this blog more and more in hopes of retention for myself, which we'll go into for this book, but to help myself retain and also for people who read um, to be able to review books they've read as well. So that's kind of been my journey so far. Very nice. Can you share a, a lesson? I know you said one was just like, you know, reading the self-development and the reading the books on self-development from those books. Is there any lesson that has been really impactful for your work in life? Something you can share with our listeners? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe in terms of nonfiction books and learning, I think the most impactful lesson that I've learned is you have to be intentional and purposeful with your pursuit of of growing yourself and developing yourself. Um, I know we'll talk about that in here, but it's an active process. It can't be passive or put on the back burner if you really want, um, you know, to achieve something or or be in a, in a place in your life where you, where you want to strive to be, to grow to. Um, so it's a very active process. And it, what this book covers is retention and learning. So I think the more that you can put yourself in a position to develop those habits, to learn and retain, um, you know, taking notes and reviewing books and whatnot and discussing and sharing with others, I think you're, you'll put yourself in a position to succeed more Mm, exactly and um what about your you've summarized quite a lot of books on your insta and which one is there any sort of stand out to you before we go on to onto the main book that have really been influential or impactful for you yeah so my top three books i don't know like what what always comes to mind first is uh, first is How to Win Friends and Influence People. That was probably like the first personal development type book that I read. And that started my appetite. Yeah, yeah for, for trying classic. to learn, right? And it's uh, it was funny because it was on it was on a it was on a like a Barnes and Noble's bookshelf and it's a red cover and I'm just was walking by that section. I was like, oh what is this? And so I read it and I was like, wow, this blew my mind. So since then it's just been 
just been constantly devouring books. But um, so I always point to that one. But one that has always made an impact that I refer other people to is the uh, life changing magic of tidying of a Marie Kondo. Mm -hmm. And it's just a it's there's such a key fundamental idea in that, which is just to put yourself in a position to succeed and surround yourself in their ideal environment to thrive. And that can be applied to not only literally with your environment, but metaphorically with what you do and what you surround yourself with. So I would say that's had a huge impact on me. Yeah. I should show you my drawers. I'm all about Marie Kondo. Oh, yes. <laughs> They're Same. very definitely... folded. <laughs> Nothing left makes in your sense. house anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're actually going to cover those books on, on uh, Book Insights as well. So we're big that's fans right. of them. And then was there a third one? Uh, yeah, third one is Born a Crime by Trevor Noah. I, oh. I'm just a huge fan of Trevor Noah, and he's Same. such a great storyteller, and he's so yes. funny. Mm -hmm. I, I was just dying laughing the entire time listening to it. And he reads, I listen to audiobooks, so he reads yep. it himself. So yep. it's just, you get a you get an additional layer of experience. So I, I loved it. I always recommend that one. Absolutely. That's my number one favorite audiobook. I, and I mostly also just listen to the, the audiobooks. And so, yeah, everything he does is amazing. And his book is uh, phenomenal. One of my favorites as well. And then, so how did you discover this book, Moonwalking with Einstein? Did it sort of leap out to you or did, what, what sort of made it look interesting to you? Yeah, um, I think I might have heard it from Tim Ferriss's podcast, um, you know, the author, or maybe through one of the books that I read through him. You know, it's uh, reading books is like a never ending, like your list only gets longer. And so I don't know exactly how I came across it, but it was in the theme of, I think I just read The Art of Learning by Josh Waitzkin. And this one kind of tied into that because it's all about learning and retention. And that's kind of how I got introduced. Like I mentioned, I do three books a, a month and I try to make them like maybe one that's a narrative or a biography, one that's more of like practical learning, and then it could be miscellaneous. And so this one seemed interesting, good reviews, and, and I read it and I was pretty happy. It's pretty insightful. And it, like I said, it links to some other big books that I've read that, that make a lot of sense in context. Yeah. So for people who haven't read it, Moonwalking with Einstein, it's, it's the story of, well, Joshua Fur how he goes from just being a regular journalist to thrusting himself into the world of competitive memorization. When he starts, he just thinks it's like sort of some freakish ability, but he learns that it's, there's techniques involved and that even someone like him could become really good at it. So he, what he does is go out and, and um, talk to a, a lot of people and he discovers there's, I'll just quickly go through the main themes, he discovers the link between memory and expertise, uh, which we can go into. He looks into how the brain is wired for memorization. So it's something that we, you know, goes back into the into the depths of human history about why we are good at memorizing some things and not others, and why we have developed good memories for for uh, social reasons. And he also, for me, almost the most interesting part of the book. He goes into why he thinks memory is still relevant in the digital world. When we've got everything at our fingertips, everything is stored, uh, why he thinks remembering facts is important. And uh, so what actually happens, he I won't tell you everything, but he becomes um, pretty good at memorization and he goes to the US Memory Championships and then the World Championships and he ends up doing surprisingly well in this competition so that that's sort of the main things um 
Marlo, what sort of stood out to you in the book as you were reading it? Mm-hmm. I mean, that too. I think if I remember correctly, it was he was doing this for maybe a year, two years or something like that. And yeah, so, about a year, yeah. Right. And so I read this. I'm like, man, maybe I should try to learn how to read or remember cards like a whole deck. That would be a pretty cool parlor trick. But he, the, the book, he goes into a lot of really interesting ideas about memory and retention. Like uh, I know we have a few quotes here, but one of the things that stood out to me was we remember things contextually, right? So in chronologically in order next to other events. So novelty, for example, expands time, whereas monotony collapses it. So it makes sense why time seems to, um, well, actually that's kind of different, but uh, when you're doing the same thing over and over and you look back, you're like, where did the time go? But when you are doing different things and changing your routine, it unfolds time. And in a sense, since time is kind of like a feeling, it's relative, it makes it feel longer. And one of those points like that, which really stood out that you don't really get in other books. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because it's like, it, it's almost too, it's like the practical part of like increase your memory. But then there's also this like philosophical thing, which I think you're touching on Marlo, where it's like your life will have more depth and meaning and there's more to experience and enjoy if you can remember it. And if you don't have the ability to remember it, then, you know, what's the point? And and so I think that it's kind of cool that you get the both the practical of like, yeah, it'd be cool to memorize some facts and be able to quote some things. And, you know, there's some practical reasons to have a good memory. But then there's also like the the life enjoyment part of it of, you know, living a life that's worth remembering. Yeah, definitely. Maybe we'll just start with some of these the, the nuts and bolts aspects of memory as well i mean the, the connection with memory and expertise i found very interesting because he goes to interview anders ericsson um who i think also malcolm gladwell has interviewed in his books a psychology professor who's like the world expert on expertise anders theory is that people who are who are experts extremely good at things a lot of their prowess is due to their ability just to remember stuff because the more facts or aspects of your profession you remember, the more you have to draw on, the easier it is to come to good decisions or intuitions. And one example I thought was good was about chess players. So the really top chess players, they become that way because they're able to memorize whole boards of previous games. So when they've got a game that's in progress in front of them, they draw on this memory to make the best moves uh, that that's right in front of them. And it's the, it's the same thing with creativity, that if you've got hundreds of different references, say you're an artist, hundreds of paintings, say, in your head, it's just you, you just have a bigger chance of doing something remarkable yourself if you've just got hundreds and hundreds of references in your mind already. Definitely. Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the most inspiring things about this book is like, it makes you feel like you could be one of those great artists or great, uh, you, you know, successes because it, it sort of takes down this g- level of genius to if you can just remember, you know. So it's not about having a brain that does something that other people's brains don't necessarily. It's no, we all are wired for memory. It's just a matter of using it. And there are ways to set us up for success. Um, so were there any like that stood out to you, any um, techniques that he talked about that you want to try or have tried or are interested in? Is that is that for me or for Tom? Uh, either way, jump in when you got it. <laughs> you go first. 
so um, the one that I remember that I think he brings up a lot is the memory palace, right? Mm. Um, I've sort of attempted to and then just quit immediately. But like, uh, <laughs> right, so just an overview, he talks about finding like a childhood home and uh, thinking of like a certain number of rooms, like let's say f- five or 10 rooms. And within each room, you place like five objects or something. So you start on the driveway, you place uh, vivid images, five images in that driveway. And you kind of map out this plan of like, okay, if you're walking through your childhood home, um, because we we remember spatially in images, um, as you go through the driveway, through like the uh, the living room, through your bedroom, bathroom and whatnot, you see those five images in that order. And um, that's how you would memorize a deck of cards. So I was, I tried that briefly, like, okay, my childhood home, let's place like really vivid, weird, weird um, images, like moonwalking with Einstein, right? And it's, it was a, it was a very cognitively taxing process. And I was like, okay, maybe, maybe some other time, but I got the concept, which is even, especially when he talks about remembering names, I think, um, the more you can make a visual, a vivid memory to that, um, the more, the, the better you'll be able to learn. And I think that's, that's one thing that I've applied is actually just making things more visually, um, attaching memory to something visually contextual. Yeah. I've certainly tried it out myself. It is, it is very powerful. Like I remember I met someone called Mark Parkinson and it's a pretty sort of standard name, not very memorable. So I thought I'll turn this into like, you know, an image. So I thought, um, a mark, like a, a school mark, like a tick. I remember that. Mm. And then I broke it into two, like Parkinson parking, like a car going to a park and his son. Uh, in the car so parking <laughs> so it sounds ridiculous but you, once you have this picture in your mind he says it's it tends to stay there and I, I found that to be correct and the more outlandish the image uh the better so yeah again like what you said Corinne it's it's nothing sort of genius about it it's just understanding the the mechanics and um the, and there's no real limit either. I think that's one of his points that this palace that Marlo mentioned, a memory palace, you know, it could have hundreds of different rooms. And if you've got good images for each room or whatever you want to remember, there's no real limit in terms of the amount of stuff you can remember. Yeah, you know, I, I uh, kind of stumbled upon this before I read this book where I used to listen to back when I had a commute pre-pandemic uh, way back when. Um, so when I used to commute, I would listen to audiobooks and I discovered that so- sometimes I would drive past a certain point and that, that is on my commute and I would remember, oh yeah, I remember this part of the book based on the visual cues that I'm seeing on the freeway or whatever. And it was just so strange that I'm like, oh, I'm looking at the Coliseum and thinking about the book because I remember hearing it when I was at this point. And that's exactly what this book touches on is how the human brain is wired for visual memory. And so we, we, you know, it's only very recently that suddenly we're supposed to remember phone numbers and dates and historical events like that happen on certain numbers. Like we're just we're not really great at memorizing numbers, which is why it seems like such a genius ability for somebody to memorize a deck of cards, but we are wired to remember visuals. So if you can assign visuals to the things that are harder to remember, the, the you know names and numbers and things like that, um, it, it just sort of sets you up for success and you're, you're a lot more likely to be able to to memorize it. Yeah. And I loved his, his reason for why our brains are more visual 
than remembering numbers because in order to survive, we had to find food and we had to know which plants were edible and which ones were poisonous. So we had to have this incredible visual memory. It was a matter of life or death. Right. So, yeah, I thought that was interesting. Even though it might feel like life or death when you forget someone's birthday or name, like, oh, I'm going to die. But no, no, it's just just inconvenient. Especially, too, I think it's like visual and spatial is what, what he was kind of hammering down at, which is, yeah, visually, too. But, right, we were we were wired to remember things spatially, like how far to go, like just in terms of navigating. And it's interesting. So we're talking about images and um, visually remembering. But one of my favorite quotes in this is how... Maybe not quote, but I'm paraphrasing, but memory is memory and uh, creativity are like the same process, right? Because memory is an imaginative process where you link two disparate ideas or concepts. And so that's memory. But creativity is making those same links of disparate ideas and hurling it into the future. And that's future memory. So creativity is essentially future memory. And I just mind blown at that point. I was like, oh, that makes a lot of sense. It's true. It's true. The more things you can draw on, the more creative that you can be going forward. And I love that. Super inspiring. Yeah. yeah. And and this this idea of like being a spider web is another big a visual metaphor for me that I remember is like knowledge is a spider web. So the more that you have, the more that you can hold. And it's kind of a positive feedback loop in that sense. So it's encouraging that, hey, the more that you learn and try to retain these things, the more you'll be able to learn and retain later on. And like you said, you'll be more creative. And he even, another tangent, he goes off of, of his his uh, perspective is schools nowadays teach a lot of rational and analytical thinking. But he's saying fundamentally, we first need to have um, the ability to learn and memorize raw knowledge and data because you can't, you can't analyze what you can't retrieve and you can't retrieve what's not there first. So he's like, yeah, we should, analytical skills are important, but we also need to learn how to learn how to learn and then what to learn. Yeah, definitely. I think that he gave the example of like World War One of like, what were the causes um, that started it? And so even if they've got all this detailed knowledge of everything, if you can't even remember the basic of like, what were the reasons that this thing started, then the rest of the information is so much more likely to fade if you, without some kind of basic memory of you know, some some general knowledge kind of stuff. Yeah, and I liked his, um, I mean, he asked the question, why should we try and remember stuff now, facts? Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's obviously very useful and, you know, impress people at parties and stuff. But um, he talks about the, the sort of personal development or character building aspect of it, that if you if you develop a powerful memory, it has these flow-on effects the rest of your life because if you, if you do that, you, you're more confident and you think you're more capable of, of learning other stuff as well and fitting all that into your knowledge map. So for him, he seemed to find it very empowering to develop, you know, a strong memory um, instead of just, you know, depending on Wikipedia or, <laughs> you know, stuff mm-hmm. online. That if he, if the more he had in his head, the more confident he felt as a person. Yeah, there was a really great quote that kind of shared that value of memory, even in the digital world, where he says, our ability to find humor in the world, to make connections between previously unconnected notions, to create new ideas, to share in a common culture, all of these essentially human acts depend on memory. 
Um, and that just makes it feel like so weighty, this idea of, like you said, not just um, trivia to, you know, toss out at the bar or whatever, but but really being able to identify with people and connect and uh, all of that takes memory. And, and it also takes effort. That's another big, I think, theme in this book is like he puts a ton of effort, but then it's so worth it. It's so fruitful. He goes to the top of this championship just by trying to remember. I mean, the, the, the book is like he it starts with him sort of huddled in the basement of his parents' um, home remembering stuff and they think he's sort of crazy and they wonder what what the hell he's doing down there <laughs> and um so he's he's a good storyteller like the way the book goes from that and then he sort of meets it's, it sort of follows the in some ways you know the classic seven stages of the journey because he meets all these interesting characters um tony Buzan's one of them the the memory expert and author and then, yeah, having these adventures in various places, meeting new people, the whole character development side of it. Yeah, I mean, did Marlo, did you find it inspiring in any way as a, you know, from the sort of personal development side? Or did you, or was, or was it more just like interesting stuff that you picked up? I think, it, yeah, it definitely was insightful and inspiring in the sense of it. It's also reiterated in Ultra Learning by Scott Young, right? And I think that book references this book as well. But um, that what what you guys mentioned before, learning or, or doing these superhuman tasks of remembering these things or a deck of cards isn't that superhuman. Anyone can do it. And I think in Ultra Learning, he talks about that, how these people, they just kind of build a habit, do something and it put put it into place and practice it. And so going back to the idea of learning it has to be intentional and it has to be purposeful and you have to structure a, um, a process around it and kind of like how this book ends one of one of the the quotes i wrote down was remembering can only happen if you decide to take notice and so he he even mentions i think at the end where he's like yeah i still forget things now and then and it's not like i have a perfect memory but i think i just know how to use my brain better and i think that's again to, to show that um, you don't need to be inherently superhuman biologically to, to do superhuman seeming things like memorizing, memorizing a lot of stuff. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It's like, it's a tool that you just have to remember to use. I think it, more so than just something you automatically do. Like there, there's techniques, there's strategies. I think that's all, I think that's right in personal development. Like that's what it is. It's teaching you tools and then reminding you to use them basically. Right. Mm -hmm. it, it is kind of like the idea of, um, you know, like a static brain or a plastic brain or, or like yeah. a growth mindset or a static mm -hmm. mindset. Whereas if you think that, oh, my memory is really bad, and that's just, you know, you're kind of just saying that that's it. But he's saying, no, it, it can grow and evolve. Your brain is actually more, you know, geared to to remember. You just have to be purposeful and know that you can do it. Yeah. Totally. And I sort of related to that. He goes into a bit about the social aspects of memory. I mean, you know, the, in, in human history, the invention of words and writing is pretty recent. You know, this very long... Um, oral tradition that we had for thousands of years and they really understood how memory worked in that a lot of these stories if you go back to the old ones they're very rhythmic and rhyming in their structure which makes it easy to remember they often have very strong imagery which is easy to remember 
And of course, you know, song is such a massive part of, of human cultural history and songs. And, you know, we know that the kids learn stuff through singing the alphabet and other stuff. So the state capitals. I'm pretty sure I wouldn't know the state capitals without that song. So all oh, right, okay. I, I not having brought up in the US, I don't know that song. <laughs> I'll teach it to you. It's fine. You'll need it. Sounds good. Yeah, that would be quite a long song. Yeah. So I thought that was all all pretty interesting. Um, you know, the the social aspect of of memory and how sort of you know heartwarming it is. To, to be able to remember things and then communicate that to other people. It's memory is a way that we can connect with other people. And Marlo, I'd love to hear you since you're a, a digital age influencer type, like how do you see the value of memory today for those who are like, what are you talking about? We don't teach kids to memorize raw data anymore. That's out. You know, what do we, how do we feel about that in, you know, today's times? Yeah. Um, I mean, it's a great question because I think uh, the first thing I'm thinking of is we in this digital age, we're so inundated with so much information and we're, we're being fed a lot of, you know, videos, news, just, just things coming in. Um, and so we don't have a lack of information, but we don't necessarily have um, an abundance of, how do you say this, like, uh, I don't know, intellectual thought or just like really hard reasoning because we're just, we're just in the consuming sort of... Um, habit so we're just consuming things all the time but i think a big thing for me um to re- always remember is is the retention and the processing and how to how to spin it around in your brain to make something creative to add value whether it's in the workplace or as a you know like in, a, in the digital influencing space or creating content it's important to be creative but you can only be creative by consuming i don't, don't want to say properly but if you consume in a more effective way then you can create, you can connect those disparate ideas and add value to the organization you're in, or the endeavor that you're that you're in, or the the project that you're working on. Um, and I think that's that's where like the reasoning and, and rationale comes in. But like like this book touches on um, that that ability to learn and have the raw knowledge and have good memory um, in spite of all this information that we have um, is very important. And I think this book goes in to talk about how. You know, back then people only had two or three books, so they would read it over and over and over again. And so it was easy to memorize a book and and inherently know it back and forth. But I see a lot of people in the personal development space, they just, they go through a whole, um, they go through numbers of books, like a lot of books, and maybe they'll just focus on highlights and kind of move on to the next thing or speed reading. For myself, I like the process of going through an audiobook, writing out the notes, sharing it, synthesizing it, doing three levels of summaries for it, just because it helps my own retention. But that also helps connect ideas for when I'm trying to create as well. I'm like, oh, I remember this one book that I read because it took me a week to write out the notes for, but I remember this idea and this idea and then applying it. I think that can only help, especially in, in this age. Absolutely. And we will definitely be pinging you very soon about taking notes on the Memoed app, uh, because that's what it's all about. It's about reading, learning, taking notes, and then really retaining what you learn. And like you said, not just consuming, consuming, consuming without ever being able to put any of that to uh, to use. Which is so easy to do now, just to consume and not to take notes, retain. It's that it's really the default now. Um, it's like because the flow of knowledge is sort of almost like entertainment. 
it's just like the next thing, the next thing, the next thing. It's true. That line between information and entertainment, that infotainment thing, it's uh, it, it's it's hard to determine sometimes. Yeah. yeah. Like I, I learn stuff from from Twitter when I go on, but am I going on there to learn things or am I just going on there to get a quick burst of something amusing or interesting? <laughs> <laughs> Again, coming at this question of why bother remembering things now, you know, Bitcoin's in the news. One of the key things about Bitcoin is you get this 24, your private keys is 24 words that you have to, they are like, unlike a bank account where if you have a card and you, you remember your four digit pin, you can get access to everything. When in Bitcoin, it's 24 words. And so, they, you can write it down on a bit of paper, but that paper might be lost. Your house might, there might be a house fire. Someone might steal it. You can get it um, onto these metal plaques, which don't decompose, but then you might lose the plaque. So what a lot of people do now is just remember the 24 words, which um, I'm not sure I could do that, actually. I was thinking the other day, what is the best way to do it? Do you chunk it? Do I turn this into a song, a story, <laughs> the memory palace? So, yeah, I started thinking about this book again, actually. And I thought that's where an instance where the need for memory is sort of intersecting with um, the ancient art and memorizations coming up against 21st century. That's right. I think Josh Ford would probably say maybe go for a walk and then start associating the different words with the different things you're seeing on the walk around your neighborhood or something. And if it has if it has all your Bitcoin in there, probably want to go on that walk a lot so you can remember. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to yeah, miss that. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, the thing I was thinking about with this book was it just reminded me of my favorite movie, which is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Have you guys seen that one? I haven't. It's on my list. Though. Years ago. Oh. Remind me. Yeah, it's so good. It, it really asks this question of like, it's all about memory. The whole movie is about memory. It's about is are, are bad memories worth keeping? Like that's the fundamental question of this movie. It's where it takes place in the not too distant future. And it's this idea that you could erase bad memories from your brain. And so, and it's the the whole movie takes place in the mind of the main character who is in the process of deleting this person from his brain because of all of the bad memories of their relationship. And then sort of the, the story arc is, you know, during the process, he decides, no, wait, actually, even the bad memories are worth keeping and trying to sort of fight the process in the middle, just kind of interesting. And it's, it's definitely a weird movie, but I adore it. And uh, but it definitely has this value. It, it shows that value of of memories. And, you know, even the ones that are difficult are are valuable to us in some way. Is it with Jim Carrey or who is that? Yes. Yeah, it's Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet. Oh, OK. Yeah, that's definitely. So I recently read his book, um, Memoirs, Inf Memoirs and Information, Misinformation. Um, so he he referenced that. That's why it's on my list. But uh, oh. it's it's a really good book. It's a really weird book as well. It's very mm -hmm. all over the place. If you guys ever get around to reading it, but if you like Jim Carrey, it'll it encourages you to kind of watch his movies again. But mm -hmm. it's like a it's a fiction nonfiction, so you really don't mm -hmm. know what's true and what's not. So it's very interesting. Oh, I haven't heard of that one. That's yeah. interesting. It came out early or late last year, I think, like maybe Ooh. September or something like that. But yeah. yeah, he was on all the, the night shows, but uh, it's yeah, he, he blends fiction with nonfiction 
really well. You don't really know what's what's true because it's supposed to be an autobiography. But mm-hmm. then, yeah, he references his movies, his relationships, and then obviously parts of it are fake. And you're just like, wait, what? So, but I think that's the point. He's trying to mess with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, I mean, I, I know he's a, he's an artist and painter and he's got a studio <laughs> and everything. So there's a history of that willful obscuration of the facts um, and a lot of modern artists. So I'm not surprised. Right. <laughs> yeah. All right. So it's probably that time to rate the book. Shall we take turns? Marla, do you want to start us off? What do you rate this book? One to five. Yeah, sure. Um, I would rate it 3.5. Mm-hmm. I think it's I think it's a very solid read, especially in collaboration with some other really good books. Yeah, I would give it um, a three. I mean, as a book, it was an enjoyable read and it has given me some useful things that have stuck in my mind. Yeah, it's probably not the sort of book I would normally read on to do with memorization or anything. But probably because of that, um, it's stuck in my mind more. Um, So, yeah, I liked it. Yeah, I agree. I think three feels right for this book. Um, I I really geeked out on the science part of it where it's talking about the brain and evolution and how we're wired for memory. For me, that was like my most enjoyable part of it. The romp into the like competitive memorization world, it was kind of interesting and fun, but not immediately like practical and useful because um, probably not going to do that anytime soon. So, you know, it's it's cool to know how it's done, but not super useful. But yeah, enjoyable. But uh, yeah, I, mean, I think that there are probably are some more immediately useful books uh, that we've talked about today that if you're wanting to learn or, you know, we've talked about like Deep Work by Cal Newport or um, so those other books that are more um, helpful in the, in like the immediate present. I think this one was just a little bit more of a fun one. So and, and to piggyback off of what you two both said, and I agree. I think what for me, what makes a really good book is not only how practical it is, but also how much you remember the book. Right. Which is why I enjoy to I enjoy listening to biographies, autobiographies and narratives, because you can kind of I I tend to retain more with those ones because you can follow along with the story, kind of like the principles we're talking about. So I did like how this had a balance of narrative with also practical, insightful things and and, you know, philosophical in, in some sense. Um, but that's why I really enjoyed it. So I, I agree. Yeah, that's a great point. He really did weave that like story of his competitive memorization into everything else, which, as he has shown, helps to, you know, help you remember it. So that's really cool. Yeah, yeah I mean, humans are really a, a storytelling species. So um, yeah. I mean, it's a lot of business books, personal development ones that, you know, you put into like the fable format. Mm hmm. Like the alchemist and who moved my cheese and mm. and the five dysfunctions of a team they tell like tell it as a story yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah yeah it is interesting how yeah I think the humans we're always looking for I think they say like the brain's always looking for faces and we're always looking for stories we're looking for you know and I think that's how a lot of this like political uh, what do you call it conspiracy theories it's like I'm sure there's a story where's the story you know we're just we're just wired for that narrative arc even when it's just mayhem, you know. Well, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I mean, the conspiracy theories and that's pure putting a story onto something. Mm-hmm. So what do we know about um, Joshua Fur? and has he done any more books or anything? Yeah, so today he's still a freelance writer. He's based in D.C. 
God bless him. So his uh, 2012 TED Talk, which was all about this whole competitive memorization thing, um, it's got over 5 million views. And uh, Bill Gates has really taken to this book in particular. He's written about it. He's shared it. He recommends it. It's um, So yeah, Josh Four and Bill Gates must be BFFs now. Um, and yeah, people still continue to like sing the praise of this book. He's been featured. This book has been featured in lots of newspapers, magazines, on TV, NPR, all that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, it seems like he's he's still article writing. I don't think he. I I didn't see any other uh, new books from from Joshua. I'm not surprised he um, Bill Gates likes him because he he is Bill is a prolific reader mm-hmm. and has to try and make sense of everything that he's reading. So um, sort of related to what you were talking about, Marlo, that a good book is one really that you remember. (laughs) I've never really thought about books that way, um, but it's so true. Otherwise, what is the point of reading them? Yep. I find that with some books that are um, inherently dense with really good information, but there's no narrative and it's very difficult for me to get through and take notes on. Uh, and in fact, I had to be more more deliberate with taking notes and reviewing it because I can't remember the main ideas. But books like these, when it's weaved in, it makes it much easier. So, yeah. That's great. Yeah. And so, Mala, it's been fantastic having you on. Where should people go to to discover you? Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, the best place is my, my blog, my website, marlayonacruz.com. Uh, it's just my first and last name. And I have all my book summaries there. And um uh, anything else related to upcoming projects I have for my website will just be on there. So yeah, you can find me there. Awesome. Well, we were so uh, happy to have had you join us and really thankful that you um, were able to share your insights and expertise on this book with us. Thank you so much for joining us and uh, everyone watching. Thank you or listening either way. Thank you for, for joining us on the book lounge. And I hope you'll stick with us next week, a new book of the week. And uh, for all of our book insights, you can go to memo.com slash insights. All right. Thanks. And join us next time for Book Insights. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Thank you.